This is episode 73 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 73 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. You might notice that my surroundings are a little bit different than normal. This is vacation week for me and I'm actually up in the Sauville Beach area enjoying some beautiful water and sunsets, but I found some time to get this episode out and this one is another absolute grand slam. I have Mike Van Hout on the podcast and Mike is just an absolute animal and I again, I mean that in the best possible way. Mike's a serial entrepreneur. Everything he touches, I'm not going to say it all turns to gold, but he's willing to take risks. He's willing to take calculated risks and he has an incredible success rate. He's a real estate investor and he's had incredible success there among many other businesses. He currently has six businesses that he actively runs and we didn't even have time to get into all of them. But the thing I'm very confident you're going to get out of this episode is learning about an entrepreneurial mindset, learning about the success mindset. And I think that these things are highly applicable to the real estate investor world, especially in the land of opportunity that we're in right now, which is this lockdown and the virus scare. Uh, These things are all opportunities in disguise and this episode is really going to dive into the nuts and bolts of that. Just before we get into the episode, if you could please make sure that you have rated and reviewed this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. And if you could also please just hit the like and subscribe button if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, I'd greatly appreciate it and it certainly helps more people to find the podcast. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this week's episode number 73 with Mike Van Hout. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Mike Van Hout on the podcast today. Mike, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun one. I know we've we've talked about this since like a year ago. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. So uh small world scenario, Mike and I had texts from about, I don't know, seven years ago. Yeah. Seven (laughs) years ago (laughs) that I saw um that you owned. I I don't think you own it anymore. But uh anyways, um yeah, just just small world, these real estate investors, we we cross paths. So um, Mike, you're into so many things, a serial entrepreneur at heart, I think. And yes. um, I was just so intrigued and I wanted to hear your story. So for those who aren't familiar, familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, there's a lot. So it's, this is going to be a long, good quality video. So thanks for watching, everybody. And thanks, Andrew, for having me on. Um, yeah. So seven years ago, I, I got this, this message from Andrew and I was looking at it and I was thinking, this is a guy that wants to buy a property along with a lot of guys like you that wanted to buy property when I first got into it. So I bought student rentals uh, going back. Maybe let's rewind how I got into it. So where do you want to start? Because there's so much data. What, well, what phase should I start on? So I don't think Canada is where you were born, right? No. So, okay. So start, start with the, the Cole's ooh. notes of, the, of how you got here. So I moved to Canada with 17. My mom is from India. My dad's from Belgium. So here we go. This is what I look like. So I get noticed. Some people call me Portuguese. Some people call me Lebanese. Some people call me Spanish. I'm kind of all over the map here. So, um, so I moved to Canada when I was 17 by myself. My mom and dad were still in Dubai. That's where I was. Uh, that was, uh, that's where I was raised. I was born in Belgium, but I moved to Dubai when I was two years old. So, um, so I kind of have a, a background of understanding how different cultures think because Dubai was sort of a melting pot back in the day. Um, so yeah, so I left, left about 17, came to London, Ontario because my mom and dad were like, you can't go to Toronto because Toronto has too much drugs, There's too much drugs in Toronto. So we'll just put you in London, Ontario. My cousin lived there at the time. So um, so I, I basically kind of figured out how to grow up myself. You know what I mean? So I just, I, do you remember Jared from Subway? Yeah. Jared from Subway. So I, that's how I started. I tried to figure out what the hell to eat. So I had like the addiction of freaking Jared from Subway. So I had like chicken footlongs from Subway and that's what I ate like every single day. So my mom and dad would send money 
And that's all I would eat. Freaking, that's all I can remember of my like 17 to 20. Um, and I also remember growing up in the first year or so, 17 is when I started in London. And then I got out of London when I was 18. I moved to Toronto by myself, got an apartment in Mississauga. Um, so I had to really to grow up really quick. And I think part of the underlying effect of who I am is just hanging around with people that are older and having that mindset of being older. So I always feel like if you try to, if you, I, I always feel like I skipped, I don't know about you, but I feel like I skipped like being super young. So like playing video games, with all your friends, when you're like 18, 19, 20, I just didn't do that. I didn't go to clubs and drink like crazy. I just figured like, how could I grow? Because I was kind of forced to grow. Right. You know? So that has always kind of matured me. And that's, and that's basically how kind of real estate started. So um, we'll get into some of the jobs I did and the jobs I did kind of also, uh, when you come to Canada, so a perfect example is trying to make friends in grade 11. So I moved to London, Ontario, grade 11, and it was very difficult to make friends. Like, I don't know how it is in any other places, but here, uh, when you move and you never had any sort of Canadian experience, so you just come, you go to school and then to try to make friends is impossible. Everyone has their sort of their own little clicks, right? That makes sense. Right. Um, so it was kind of isolated. So having those like, sort of like stressors of not being able to fit in with everybody was difficult right so you kind of create a, a thicker skin and that helps with real estate as you know right yeah Thick so skin. so you when you came yeah. you were you were finishing high school in canada is that right uh, yeah so i fin- yeah. yeah so i i wasn't really finishing i just wanted to get for me i wanted to get out of dubai i just found there was a lot of um so my mom and dad you know my dad had a carpet carpet curtains and upholstery business in dubai and uh, my mom worked for the hilton so it was like a you know she worked as, a, as an admin person there um, but what I found with Dubai was it was Dubai was very at the time, I don't know how it is today, but at the time it was very uh, segregated in terms of color. So my dad is, has fair skin, blue eyes and blondy hair. Uh, and my mom has the same color skin as me. And uh, the way Dubai is built, Dubai is built on um, there are all these crazy skyscrapers and everything they built is ba- based off the back of cheap labor. And that cheap labor is of color. And, you know, the people that run it are usually the British and the Americans and stuff like that. And so I found that when I went with with my dad, I, f- I felt like I, I got treated totally different than I went with my mom. And I just kind of didn't like that. It was kind of an underlying thing to me that you, I felt like I was being treated a little bit different, right? So, um, and obviously when you watch Western television, you see like how amazing America is, right? So I was trying to get to, how could you get to America? Like it was like the days of like Baywatch and all that stuff, right? You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was pretty crazy. So just watch all that stuff and you're like, man, I want to go to America, right? I want to get to America. So my, my parents applied for immigration and then it was either go to Australia or go to Canada. Um, so as I said, I wanted to get closer to the States and I, the eventual goal was to, you know, back in the day, it was all about education and, and go to school and education and go to school and stuff like that. And, um, and I sucked at school. I was oh, no good at school. Was entrepreneurship in your, your DNA though? Because you, you strike me as this guy that just, you have your hands in everything as an entrepreneur. And, yeah. And I, you were, you were, you were deep in, right? You came to Canada. You, yeah. you were, you were immediately, you said you didn't get to play the video games. You were obviously taking Correct. responsibility. Correct. What was Correct. it? Why? Um, I, the easiest way to put this man is that, so I remember going in, in, in high school, sort of back in Dubai, the way they, so like we have drywall in Canada, but in Dubai, you basically have concrete they spray on and has like that very rigid sort of scrapey feel on the walls. Right. So a perfect example was the toilet paper we had in Dubai wasn't really toilet paper. I know it sounds crazy, but it was like this cardboard sort of roll and you could switch it up, take water, mix it with water and take it and throw it in the ceiling. And, and I just kind of looked at life like that. And if you put too much water, you'd throw it up and it would fall because it's too heavy. If you put too little water, it wouldn't stick. If you put the right amount of water, it would stick. And that's kind of how I approached life. I just looked at it like if you put, if you put just amount of, of water and throw it up in the sky, it will stick. And that's kind of what that entrepreneurship kind of started, you know? So I realized that also it's very simple, man. If you call 
in any, any aspect of, of your life, if you call, like, if you get something you don't want, so if you pick up the phone, you call Bell Canada, they're not giving you a deal on whatever you want. You just call them back again and talk to somebody else. And that's what I realized was, was that Canada was, is, it's, in, is, it's at kind of its infancy of where businesses are. It's everybody comes, like I had a great conversation with an older guy the other day. And part of my, my, my DNA is understanding that you learn more from older people. So I always sort of, I just try to learn and understand that older people have experiences. Now, maybe their, their timing was better or their timing that they did, it didn't work. But if you grasp that and you take, if you take ideas from the far left and you take ideas from the far right and you kind of just pick pieces that you think is good for you, it'll work, right? So um, in terms of the DNA part, I think because I just was isolated and I was by myself because I moved here when I was 17 and then I moved back, you know, I'm 17 in London and then 18, I moved to Toronto and I had those experiences. I said goodbye to all my friends and it was like a epic crying movie when I was at the airport trying to leave. And then when I came here, I was, you know, I had that, I had lots of questions of like, did I make the right move? You know, so that was like the first part of like, you get thrown there and you're like, did I make the right move? I left all my friends, came by myself for this dream that I had no idea was going to be, but I left for something that I felt was, was right. You know, I felt like I just wasn't, I just feel, felt like the people were treated a little bit different and I didn't want to feel different. And I saw that having a white dad and a brown mom, you know what I mean? Which is crazy because like, and even, even like, even in their, in their day, going up with my mom and, you know, the Indian culture has lots of friends. I mean, they all word them out. The Indian culture is just word them out, lots of friends. So even when my parents go to parties today, there's four or 500 people. And my dad's one of the only few white dudes, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the culture that I grew up with. So I'm, I understand how, you know, you know, and I mean, I, obviously it's not like white, black or colored things, but the, the culture is different and the thought processes yeah. are different and the way they approach things are different, you know? And, um, I mean, I mean, I was in the car business for a long time and we'll get into that, but even if you get you know, I mean, like it's, it's like, and everybody kind of knows this, but if you, if you have, a, you know, the Canadian culture wants to buy something from you, they'll just ask for a fair price. But if you have, you know, you know, the other culture, which is the half of me and asks, you know, do you want a fair price? There's about 50 different negotiation tactics you have to figure out until you can sell them something. Yeah. So it's just, you have that on one side and you have that on this side. So I kind of understand that, you know, and I, and because I grew up in Dubai, I understand the Arab side of it as well. And in London, Ontario, we have lots of Arabs. And in you know, Canada, we have lots of Arabs. So I'm, I kind of know the Arab side. I know the Indian side. And I know, you know, the, my dad's from Belgium. So I know like the European side, right? So I have all three different sort of angles in my brain um, and how different people yeah. feel and react, right? So, so it, makes, it, it gives you an advantage because understanding people is a key to, to business, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then so just, just getting at this, though, you were fully willing by yourself without yeah. your parents to go to Canada. They let yeah. you come here, yeah. Yeah. Uh, get... Yeah. To temporary residency at the time? Uh, no, yeah, so permanent residency. You, right? you got we, permanent yeah, residency for PO. Oh, we invite and apply for a PR and all. Like that right stuff. away, yeah. you you applied. Yeah, yeah. so like okay. there's a point system in Canada to get in all that stuff, right? So back then, my parents were doing fairly well, so they yeah. came in, you know, and we got approved and stuff like that. So. Okay, so when did? Yeah. Uh, so you went to Toronto, like you you finished high school, you were into into working right away. Uh, no, so I I finished I finished actually grade eleven. I finished grade eleven in London, and then grade twelve, I I went to Mississauga and. In terms of education, I'm not good. I'm just not. I, I felt like if I if you go back and I, I put some Instagram posts of my my uh, my report cards from Dubai and they were all like behavior minus nine. They were all negatives. Like I was not good. I just it's not that authority is the problem with me. It's just people telling me something that that's not factually true. Whatever my brain tells me is like, man, I cannot stand this. So but you kind of have to go through the process of going to school and so I did. So I went to grade 11 in Mississauga. Oh, sorry, grade 11 in London, grade 12. And I moved to Mississauga. And then I went to Humber College. So in Humber College, I decided to take business because business is the easiest thing to get into. I couldn't get into university. My grades were not strong enough. I could barely break 70. So 
I think York University was the only one that was accepting people in the 70s, and I could barely get into York. But Humber was Humber just made more sense because for me, I didn't want to go to school for another four years, so I went to York. I went to Humber, um, and I got I did business management for six months, and then I did business marketing for another six months, and I dropped out. I just could not listen to these people tell me something about business that just didn't make any sense. I felt like they were talking to people that were that were at, at easy way to put this, I guess, is because I went through that being alone for two and a half years. I just felt like I just knew more than the person sitting next to me. And I just felt like I just needed a higher ground. And I felt like the only way to get that is just go out there and figure out the world myself, you know? And that's probably the best way to put it, you know? Yeah. I have to say like, yeah, for me, I didn't, I knew I didn't do well in school. Similar story. Yeah. But uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur. And my mom was, uh, she, you know, she worked in her own home businesses when I was growing up. So I guess I did know a little bit. Yeah, uh, but it's so hard to kind of see yourself in that because yeah. it's that scary taking that risk. Yeah, and for me, like I think you know, I kind of grew up in a more liberal household. My dad was a school teacher, you know, like yeah. government benefits and government yeah. pension and stuff. And I think that mindset sometimes takes a while to get away from. For sure. Man. Whereas you, you came for to sure. Canada, you were for just sure. on your own. For it's sure. like for make sure. it, make it or for break sure. it for sure. And there's and there's a lot of guys like so that's the, that's the good. There's a lot of guys like they're all trying to make somewhere. The only thing that I noticed and. And as I said, I think for me is that I just don't get in the pool too long. And I think that's going to be the common theme with how I just relate to everything. And we'll get deeper into it. But the common theme with how I relate to anything in my life is I was thinking about yesterday and how I could explain this the best. And I just thought about different swimming pools and I surface level everything. So I'll get into as many swimming pools as possible, but I'll never go in the deep end. I'll always be on the surface of everything. So every business I touch, I don't really go too deep. It's just like surface test it. Does it work? And if it works, I'll go further down the pool, but I won't go deep. Yeah. Let's you know? dig into that because you are a real estate investor and we're going to dig into that in depth. Um, yeah. However, uh, you you also have a roofing company. Correct. You are a car guy, worked in car sales yeah. Yeah. and has a pretty uh, pretty awesome car channel on YouTube that Thank does you. extremely well. <laughs> uh, and the videos are absolutely amazing. And we've Thank talked you. about that. Um, this ability that you seem to have, and I'm sure I'm missing some things. Oh, uh, got time. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Um, so this ability you seem to have to, like you're saying, you just stay on the surface of it, but yeah. you create something that's functional that gets results yeah. without being consuming on your life. Yeah. Please explain. Um, well, I don't want to take all the credit because it's, it's about the other person that's not in this camera, right? I mean, it's about everybody's in my ecosystem. And I bring people on uh, that, that feel... Perfect example is this. I always, I always, I've always felt like um, growing up, I would have a better relation with talking to girls about certain things. So I'd always tell friends that were girls of mine, I'd always say, build yourself first, because if you build yourself first, you'll attract the right guy. So I try to have that same concept about everybody else. So if, if I build myself as strong as I can, I'll attract the right people. And then those people are say, yeah, that's cool. I'd like to work with you. And I get excited about things and I have energy because I want to use the energy I have today and I don't want to lose it today because I won't get it tomorrow. Right. So if I'm, if I feel lazy today, well, why, you know, I don't, I try not to, I try to always make sure that whatever energy I have today, I use it because I, I just don't get it back tomorrow. You know, that we get older, man, and you just don't get it back. Right. So, so you want to capitalize on the enthusiasm and the energy now? Is that, yeah, I think, I mean, that's part of the, part of it. And then I'm not good at everything, right. I'm only good at a few things. Actually, I think I'm, I think I'm fair at everything and I just give it a shot. I think the giving a shot is a big thing. And I mean, a lot of guys are giving it a shot, but they're a lot of, they're studying, they're studying too much and they're not doing something. Right. So that's another aspect of it. Um, you know, like this COVID thing we're going through, everybody's happy they're getting two grand and they're not really forgetting. They're not, they're forgetting about men. You have an opportunity here where a lot of people are not doing things, you know? So um, I just find that you have to, and that's so the, the, and so going back to maybe the conversation when, when I was younger is that 
because I'm focused on trying to take advantage of situations at all times, I give up that, that partly makes you older. So I partly give up being young, you know, right. Being young and just being silly and doing silly stuff all the time, like young people do. Right. So I try to focus on like, how can I make this work? How can I get that work? How can I keep these guys busy? How can I, I find somebody really good. Like, um, let's start with the roofing company as an example. Right. So roofing, the roofing people's like, how'd you get in roofing? You like, roofing is not an easy thing to just jump into. You have to be, you got to be a grounds, like a grounds guy to figure out how roofing works. But it was very simple. I mean, I had a whole bunch of student rentals um, and we'll sort of back, we're going back and forth. There's a lot yeah. of like back and forth. High we'll stuff, get to right? those. We'll get to those. So the roofing basically started where I was, I met this really good guy and I met him from Kijiji and it was simple back in 2008. I think it was, I had some stuff by Fanshawe uh, and a couple places by Western and I needed the roofs done and they, I needed about four roofs done. And I went to Kijiji and I found three dudes. I found two people that lived in in London. They've been roofing companies forever. And I found one, another guy in Kijiji who was a Colombian guy that just moved to, to London. And his English was pretty poor, but I knew that in talking to him, I compared prices and the prices were like 30% less. Um, and obviously it's like starting a business. You just don't want to make a lot of money. You want to make some money that you can think. Whereas if you're established in Slovak, you want to make more fun, make more money, right? More profit. So anyways, he was good. He was trust. He, he felt really trustworthy to me when I met him. And obviously at that point, I was just thinking about numbers, to be honest. I wasn't thinking like, I'm trying to get the best workmanship, but the quality work was awesome. Like you looked at it, and you thought, man, this guy does excellent work. So um, so that was in 2008 and 2010, uh, I got married to my wife and 2000, you know, 2010, I got married to my wife and then we moved to London and it was just, I was going back and forth too many times from Toronto, to London, Toronto, London, Toronto, London, I just got, got fed up. So, uh, I met her and I've known her forever, but we got married in 2010. And then in 2010, I needed my house that I bought. I needed the roof done. So I, I made contact with him and I said, how are things going? And he said, things are going well, but I don't get all the jobs because my English isn't very good. And I thought at that point, I said, look, man, I said, man, I know you, you know, I know you do great work. I mean, like people should believe you right but we live in a perception world and we live in an image based world right it's like what do i look like and how do i present to you it, it, it puts that dollar difference right like i can charge you ten dollars i can charge you thirty dollars because you believe my thirty dollars is better than my ten right so there's some salesmanship there so i said look man why don't you just do all the work and i'll get all the business and yeah. now it's been yeah it's been 10 that's years how started that's how i started yeah it was that simple Yes. You know, it's similar for, for me with my construction company because I didn't have a trades background whatsoever. And it sort of started as a necessity. I wanted to renovate my student rentals, but I knew that I couldn't afford to pay a GC. So I'm like, well, two options, either don't do the deal or figure out how to do this. And then I ended up finding a guy on Kijiji who ended up being one of my mainstays. I found other employees through Kijiji. I'm yeah. sure he got a fire a lot too, because yeah. you find a lot of riffraff there. You find a lot. tons of riffraff. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but there's a lot of good ones there too. And, um, you know, business skills, it's unfortunate, but it's true. Business skills are different from trade skills. And most people, most do not have business skills. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like trying to find this, like, how could he go and do all the quotes, do, you know, go measure the house, do all the quotes and do the jobs at the same time. I mean, you only really have six days. I mean, people say seven days, but really the seventh day is always tough. You need to break, right? So you have six days to get things done in a week. And how do you, how does he do that? It's just not possible. It's not possible for anybody. I couldn't go to the roof, sell them do the paperwork accounting. I mean, you know, paperwork in itself is, is like major red tape that slows you down, slows any entrepreneur down, sure. right? So that slows me the hell down. It's like, so, my, it's like my full-time job. <laughs> totally, man, totally. And I mean, try to run it. In my case, I got six different businesses. How do you run them? And I'm working six. on two others, right? So yeah, I just feel, man, I just like the core of me feels like we have energy. We have the opportunity to do these things. So why not? Why not? Why? Like, how can you give these things up? Like, how can people look at themselves in the mirror? And it really riles me up, but how can you look at themselves and yourselves in the mirror you know you have this talent, but you're not using it. 
right? And I know that, like, I always see these things, oh, I'm busy, I don't have time, I don't have busy. And that's true, man, because we don't all have time. Um, and there is some stuff that gets let, let, left behind. Like, you know, as I was saying, when I was younger, I wasn't a full kid. I didn't go to parties. I didn't get drunk. I didn't get high all the time. Like I might've got high once and I realized, holy shit, this is a crazy trip. You know, do I want to do this again? You know, those type of things. But am I like, do I go deep? No, I just stay surface, you know? And, and, and it wasn't always, I mean, it was always about the money. So if we fast forward today and we'll, we'll go back in this. So I fast forward to where I am today and it's, I have the money. I know where I'm at, but now I don't have the chase for the money anymore. So. I realized the money doesn't make me happier. The money, what it does now is it just starts like chapter three of my life. And then now I can do more fun stuff. So we'll get into that. But I think if we go back and we talk about, you know, how do people get that energy and that, that momentum to get started, right? Because I mean, like, how do you start? How do you get that? You know, so. Well, I've got some questions specifically on yeah. it. I mean, yeah, so just getting go into ahead. the details. Go so ahead, so when you came to Canada, what yeah. were you bringing with you? Were you bringing some cash with you from your parents? Oh, uh, so my parents, yeah, so my parents were kind. The, the, my parents are the greatest, but they're very like, figure it out yourself, go do it. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of crazy businesses and I'll get into some of that and some I can't get on, unfortunately, on camera and not super illegal, but kind of illegal. <laughs> can't get too deep, you know, but you have to try, man. You have to yeah. try, you know what I mean? And you got to figure it out. And Canada, as I said, is a pretty lax environment where you can try things, man, like not killing people or hurting anybody, but you can try stuff and fail and not die. And you can try stuff, fail, right. and, and, you and, have, and make it work, right? You know what I mean? Did you feel so, like you had a safety net, though? Like, if, if, something, if it didn't work out, that they would help you? Or was it more just um, like, we're in Canada, we're not going to starve? I, I, you know what, man? I, I just feel guilty. I had, and because we're, I'm a car guy, I can tell you, my, like my, I always had a bike. So this is the type of guy I am. When I was in London and I was 17, you couldn't get your G2. So you couldn't drive a car. So you'd have to get your motorcycle license. That was my only ability to get from A to B. So what I did was I went and wrote my M1 at... Fanshawe College at the time, or the drivers, whatever, and they give you a license to drive in the daytime. So my parents were kind enough. I I bought a bike for thirty eight hundred dollars. I remember this, and that was my card. That was my vehicle to get from A to B. So I was running in a vehicle, um, but the vehicle I had was a motorbike. So I drove this motorbike like a dummy all through the winter. So I on crazy winter days, I'd be sitting there, put all the weight in the back, and driving a motorcycle up this freaking Sarnia road, like everybody in London would know. And and I've crashed this bike probably over forty times. But it didn't stop me because I had to get from A to B, right? So that like kind of like, and people were looking at me like an idiot. So that gave me like small, tiny doses of thick skin, right? Small doses of thick skin. Um, but I wanted to get from A to B and I couldn't get a car, right? So when I finally got a car, it was like a, an MR2. It was like 5,500 bucks at the time. And I searched it to the auto traders, which were paper back then. And I found this MR2 and I had to visit my best buddy who's in the US. I drove to the US and the engine blew up and... The moral of the story basically is that the motor, the replacement of the motor would cost me more money than the car itself. And I had to get my mom and dad to pay. And that, that, that gutted me to the fact that like, they're nice enough to give me this. And I just don't want to be dependent, man. I want to be independent so yeah. I can be myself, right? So you, you know felt what I mean? like you so, had something to prove. Yeah. I want to so, make it on my own. Exactly. And that was the first point where I was like, man, I, I owe them this money because they helped me fix this car that they helped me buy that broke. And I wanted, I, they wanted me to put me in a Corolla or something like that. And I was like, no, I want this cool car, you know? And at that point, I felt like, man, I cannot let them down. So that's been with me. That's been okay. one of the games. That's so you never wanted to let them down. Didn't no, want to go no, back to no, them and ask no. them for money. No, they, they put their time and effort yeah. to build me. So, I mean, like this is my repayment game. You know what I mean? So when you left college, did yeah. you work a job or did you start a business right away? Uh, no, actually, no, man. I, it, so I worked for, I worked for multiple business, like tons of business. I worked for manpower. So manpower is like a temp agency. They just place you wherever the hell they can. So, I mean, I did crappy, 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 crappy jobs. I mean, I've, I worked for like the subsidiary of like Canada Post where they'd have these letters that came out that weren't licked. So I had to take them and lick them and put them back. Yeah. Man, you couldn't even a, use a sponge? No, man. I had to lick them. And I put, oh my and God. it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. and I had to lick them. And I, and I remember doing like blowing, 
freaking dust off these old IBM machines for like Sears because of course everything was like the technology is so old, right? So these old Sears machines with these keyboards and the keyboard letters are faded, so they you have to blow them out. So I'm sitting there in this like room and just blowing out dusty keyboards, and I mean you go through all that crap, you know. And I worked for I worked for the film industry, and I worked as a security guard for the film industry. And I mean it's very typical if you want an easy job, you work security. I'm not a big guy at all, but I work security, and I sat in my car. And I and I basically put up pylons, so I sat between like I would say like 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. and I waited for all the trucks to show up, and I put pylons on the street of Toronto. It's pretty common, right, for the film industry. So I did that for a while, but then I got fired because I slept on the job one time, and the main guy caught me banging my door. I got fired. That gutted me. So you have a lot of guts, right? You have a lot of times where you get your heart gets gutted, and you realize, man, I can't do that again. I can't do that again. And then like you know, and our you just you just try to figure out, man, like how do you get better? How do you get better, right? Like, how do you inherently get better? Um, and there's so, was so that many- a pain point for you, though, working all those jobs and just saying this sucks? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think I just wanted to be self sufficient, man. I just didn't want. So that be- was the goal. Then you had already achieved it. You were self sufficient at that time. Yeah, I think. I think. I think the big, I would say, break for me. What find something that I was actually, I actually liked, and I felt like. I felt like embraced of sorts, right? So it started off. I worked for this cardio performance store. So uh, Fast and Furious days. This is back in I was 2001. I don't know if you remember those days, but it was like Fast and Furious. They have obviously Fast and Furious freaking 500 now, but uh, it was about souping up cars. So everybody had Honda Civics and like you know, like the kids had Honda Civics and the older guys had like Escalades and Yukons 22 inch wheels. So I got in that business and and I was kind of wanted where we where we souped up cars all the time. So that's what got me in the car business where. I worked for this store in Toronto and, uh, and we had all kinds of spreads. So what kind of, what, what got the entrepreneurship part going was I had younger guys come into the store and they had cool cars and, and I would just kind of, I would like befriend them and figure out like, how, what do they do? Like, Andrew, what do you do, man? How do you have this like BMW M3 that's like souped up to hell and you're 18 years old. And the craziest part about it is like one of the guys that I met, he was like, I don't know. He was just, his, his family wasn't here. He was like me. He was, his parents were in Hong Kong and stuff like that. He was a Scandinavian kid. His, he was from Hong His parents were in Hong Kong. He was in Canada by himself, just like me. So we kind of clicked, right? And we kind of figured out a story. Um, and, and he had this awesome BMW. He had a BMW M3 at the time. It was all decked out and stuff like that. And I was like, how does this kid get this money? And that was the entrepreneurship part that kind of, I figured out like, what do you do, man? Like, how did you get there? You know, like I'm in this job and I mean, I like it because I'm doing souping up cars, but at some point this is going to end. Like souping up cars and putting air intakes on Civics are going to stop, right? They're, they're going to die, right? Like, so how do you get there? So anyway, so with one of these kids and I met about 50 different dudes doing 50 different things from like 30 drug dealers to like 10 dudes that were like doing illegal credit card fraud and just all kinds of guys. Because think about it. It's very easy to spend money when you're doing that kind of stuff because these guys have major disposable income and they, you know, they go from having almost nothing to like this crazy income. And the only way to kind of feed this, feed the need is to, spend money on cars so i was the guy people would spend money on cars so i figured you know what to up their cars and all this stuff um and one of the guys was really interesting and he he comes in and as i said with his bmw and i was like really intrigued and i try it took me like six months to figure out exactly what he did and that was my understanding of how to take it to the next level so funny story totally off topic was it a legal business or an illegal business uh it was legal it was legal it was legal it was definitely a definitely figure damn this kid is smart so when he was 14, he loved Pamela Anderson. Okay, so every, like every Canadian, in, when they were like, I would say in the 2000s era, loved Pamela Anderson. And because I was in Dubai and the only freaking thing they had was Baywatch that had any sort of skin showing. But Baywatch wasn't like 45 minutes. It was like 15 minutes because everything was edited. 
because it's like you can't it's all edited right so you're basically watching like pamela run and then pamela stop and that was basically it right so those guys love pamela anderson so what he did at 14 was he took playboys and he cut out little things of pamela anderson and he posted them to to a website and i was like this is crazy so what he did was he posted like individual web individual pages on this magazine and then i thought man like and then what happened so i was like so excited trying to figure out like how this kid did it and he get checks in the mail and there's checks in the mail and he started getting like hundreds of dollars from subscriptions Subs- so no, like adver- probably is advertisers dude advertisers actually not he got these these checks in the mail and then i was like and i said okay like what happened how'd you get that? like and he was like this guy's not giving the information because so this is where the internet is kind of crazy right now where people will share everything right every level people will share stuff but at the time it was like man i can't share too much because if i tell you you're going to jump on my ship and then my ship is going to go sailing somewhere else right so but what eventually happened is he this is how the geniusness in his brain worked where he he figured instead of making these individual pages of these big spreads of Pamela Anderson, I'll just make small little thumbnails. That's what he did. So he made thumbnails of different magazines and he basically put magazines out there and he got magazines, cut them up, put thumbnails and had thumbnails. And that's how he started. So when the kid was 18, he was probably making about 300K a month. So that is creativity. Um, that's interesting. I feel like that is that is probably like some sort of infringement on their their digital like the magazine's digital property but who knows or, yeah, and, yeah but back then man, it was property. all fresh right yeah it was all they didn't fresh. know how to police that yet. yeah yeah but, so so he was sort of exploding an opportunity before it got cracked down it, on ex- exactly and so, that's the entrepreneurship get me so thinking, that got right? you thinking right what was your first business after that uh well the first business actually was was far after that point man it was like it was just at that stage of my life for five years it was just becoming friendships and understanding how people work you know, like, just like I asked you when I got here, I said, like, man, what cameras do you use? How do you get this? What do you find? So it's basically just understanding how you get better and taking a piece of you and integrating to my life, just like people are going to take pieces of me integrating their life, right? You know what I mean? And that's how we all grow in this little space we have. in. so that's kind of how it grew. So I didn't. So from that point, I left because I, I felt like, you know what, man, um, I wanted to get a real job and working at a cardio performance spot was kind of a kid's job at the time. And because my mentality was always trying to think older, I was thinking, well, how do I get this? So I applied at audi to sell cars because audi was like a it was really bmw i honestly wanted to get into bmw um but bmw didn't hire me i was too young didn't have any experience but audi did because audi's kind of an up-and-coming brand so um audi was the thing that i've been i worked from 2005 so i was i was 22 or 20 22 and a half or so uh from 22 all the way till last december when i quit so um and and then that brought me to the next thing so how i got into real estate because people probably want to know right so uh, at 20, 21 and a half, the first year I got into selling Audis, I made 80, about 70, just about, just about 80 grand first year ever selling cars, you know, because Audi sort of, they had good commissions at the time. Um, and I sold lots of cars because I was young and there was no other young people in that business at the time. It was kind of just, you know, I, I found a good situation, made good money. Um, but then I had my T4, my, my T4s were strong. And then I put money in great West life, like most Canadians would, right? That's the theory of that life. You put money in savings and all this stuff. Um, but a year later, I realized my, my I put like twenty one thousand bucks into an into into RSPs, and I realized like looked at it a year later and it was like twenty two thousand one hundred, and I said like, this like sucks, man. It's it's useless, right? There's no point in having this money there. Um, so I just realized like I, I just couldn't. It just didn't make any sense. So my cousin was doing that in London. My cousin, he was buying properties and he bought this huge house for a hundred thousand dollars, and and he was telling me he's like, man, look at this huge house I bought for a hundred thousand dollars. I said, man, like, I'm not interested in this at all. Like, this is boring as hell. Like, I like exciting. I like movement. I, you know, come from the car business and you're always a lot of moving and shaking, right? So, um, so a lot of people on there are going to be like typical car salesmen, typical car scammers, car salesmen, used car salesmen, extraordinary. I get all this all the time, you know, but I just like excitement, man. You know, I like excitement and 
Um, so I thought, you know, I said, what can I do? What can I do to do this? So I kind of dug into a little bit more. And the way that it worked for me was I wanted to get into the student rental game because I figured like, man, I can get tons of girls and students. You know, for me, it was like, it was like I was single at the time. Obviously, it was 20 freaking two years old, right? You know, um, so I got student rentals. I got basically five and six student rentals. And one of the ones you were looking at on Windermere had girls in it. You know what yeah. I mean? So I just, I basically got student rentals. And that was my thing. I got student rentals, took money on the RSPs, put them as student, as down payments for student rentals. and you know, and fill them with girls. And that to me, it was fun because then my buddies were like, hey, you want to go to London? We got tons of girls, right? And that was kind of like the whole like, you know, good times fun. And for me, it wasn't really about the girls, but it was about the attention of being in a, in a, in a cool guy role of sorts, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of silly, but that's the truth, right? Oh, hey, I appreciate that. Um, so when you started buying those student rentals, yeah. you had some money saved up. I, I guess you were just living really lean. So did you, were you going in with full 20% down payments or 25% um, down payments? You know what, man, this, is, this goes back to Canada being green, to be honest. Um, I closed CMHC, I closed a CMHC deal and a Genworth deal on the same day. So like, you can't do that today. You can't say like, I'm putting, I'm putting 5% down on two properties closing the same day. I've heard of people you know? doing three still today. Really? Uh, well, as recently as last year yeah. doing, uh, three properties, yeah. all 5% down saying it's their, See? their personal residence, uh, breaking the rules guys straight up. I'm not saying yeah, yeah, to do it. Sure. I'm, I'm just sure. saying this is for what sure. I've heard for sure. and for I know sure. what's happening for sure. now. So I know, yeah. yeah, like I know what you're saying. They yeah. used to actually allow that on investment property. Yeah. And I, at the time I, it's just, if you wanted the proper rate, you had to say you lived in it. Like, so it was all very like, the thing is people weren't doing it then. So to do it was very easy. Right. And, and honestly, I didn't at the time. And even till like, even just till recently, I never, because I'm surface level. So people ask me like, man, you, like you could have had like 400 units and I totally could have, but I just don't put myself deep in anything, man. I keep myself service level all the time that, yeah, I could have a lot. And people look at me at the moment and say, man, you've got so much property. How'd you get in? And like, that's amazing you're at what you're at. But as I said, if I dug deep, I would have had a lot yeah. more. But it's boring to me. You know, it's I'm like, I conquered it. I did it. And and that's yeah. pro- that's why I'm sitting here today, honestly, because I got to the point, and we'll talk about that further, of my refinancing of my two big properties. And I think I, yeah. you know, we've talked about that. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to go back and forth. Let's get into the but, progression a little bit just to kind of, okay. um, you know, put it in context. Because I think, uh, so you had how many student rentals? How many uh, did you get up to? How many, how many like actual houses? Nine, or... I was at nine. And then you sold some of them? Uh, yeah, I sold and I got into low income housing or like affordable housing sort of deal. Not, not the program affordable, but into just like, I just felt like, man, I, I felt like the whole like cycle of the student rentals is tough unless you have a serious, and because I'm not structured at all, I'm just like a let's go cowboy. I'm like, let's do it. It's cool, right? Um, the structure, I've, I'm always having major issues with trying to figure out, like trying to get it all structured because it's just boring to me, man. I just like the fact that, that it rolls. So I sold a student, I sold a lot of my student rentals, um, because you know, the student rental game, man, you started, you, you it's a made to made game. It, they're, you know, they move in really in September, but they rented throughout the summer. And then in September, they, they finally get into the space. They have fun, they have parties and they're trying to show it again to the next May in like October, November. And it's the place is a freaking disaster. Yeah. You know, and then like they're like they're not interested, and if you don't, you this one doesn't live with that person, and it's just like a freaking nightmare, you know. Well, it's 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 a business, yeah. It it's like business. it's one hundred percent. And and if you're business. kind of the more Richard Branson, and I want to create it and then let let it run itself, yes. or I want the excitement and thrill, and then move on. Yes. Um. Yeah. Running student rentals. Uh. Yes. It's it's something that can be a pain in the butt. Yes. But uh, yeah. also, you can get your systems and make it work too. Yeah, and I mean, I think yeah. like man, there's like I remember yeah. you're always saying like you know, there's power in ex- being extrovert and there's power in being an introvert, and it's like yeah. in in certain phases in the way the world works, it's better to be one over the other. It depends on where you're at and what cycle of life, you know. So I mm-hmm. felt like at that stage for me, I was like bored of it, and I'm like, I don't want to deal with it. I just want to move yeah. to lower income housing because it was so you consistent. You got rid of them all. 
I got rid of most of them. Uh, Windermere was probably my last one that you're the looking one at. I was texting. Yeah, yeah. We even <laughs> found the text message. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not funny. Um, so yeah. I, okay. I was, I so was, then lower income housing. You're not saying it was government program, but it was just correct. It was just like multi. It was all yeah. It's exactly the stuff that guys get into today when they're getting into it. Okay, right? so, so duplexes, triplexes, five units, okay. twelve units, seventeen, eighteen. Is that what you're doing now? Still, or you moved out of that now too? Um, I'm phasing. So now I'm at now today. I have eighty eight units. I actually counted the other day. So eighty eight units. I have eighty eight doors left. So okay. that's what I have right now in in terms of across tents. how many properties. Uh. 12 12 or 13 yeah 12 or 13 yeah okay so like my main my main holder ones are and we'll get into the details but my main holder ones are 36 and 14 that's what i have left because they're quality they run themselves and those are the twos i I just refinanced everything else i was just paying down you know so i paid everything down that i could um but i i think man for me it was like it's it's and i've i've talked i've toyed with flips i've toyed with i mean i've toyed everything in the sort of real estate game but at the same time, I just didn't want, I didn't want the headache. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't really want the headache. I've been through the headache of doing toilets and augering and getting calls and all this stuff. So I didn't, imp- I did implement property management yeah. about five years ago because the, the phone calls are just going crazy. You know what I mean? So I wanted a break there. So you, so you got yourself a property manager. Yeah. Okay. Just a, a break, a middleman, basically, right? A middleman mm-hmm. of sorts. Um, so yeah, so basically went through rentals to multifams and, or to smaller multifams. And then I did some mm-hmm. flips in the middle, right? And then to, to, yeah. to basically big multifams. And then, um, so, yeah, that's and, and was it an amalgamation of the money that you made off the student rentals, buying them for ninety five percent financing, you know, five percent down, yeah. and you saved? I mean, I'm imagining you bought several properties between one and two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, my my the one on Trot Drive, which was like a huge party house for like that yeah. was like crazy crazy party. That one was two hundred thirty grand. That was my yeah. first one of my first forays in a student rental game. So I didn't. And really, now that would be like four hundred or five hundred. Yeah, like that. in the fives. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, and fast forward. I mean, the other here's man. Here's the actual truth: is that when I started in it, and a perfect example, I bought a I bought a sixteen unit for eight for no, sorry, for four hundred. I think I remember. Yeah, four hundred and forty. We put about one hundred and twenty five grand in it. Um, we had it for eight years and sold it for eight fifty. The person that bought it from for eight fifty had it for three years and sold it for one point four. So and did so no work. Step back a second here. So you bought it for how much? Yeah, I bought it for four forty, put a hundred in it, sold it for eight fifty. This is over an eleven year. Uh, yeah, about a ten year period. Okay, ten year period. The guy bought it for me five years ago. Now it's had two sales since, but bought it for me five years ago, and in a two and a half year, three year spread, sold it for one point four. So I got screwed. Okay, so basically that that tells you when I got in the rental game or the real estate game, man, it wasn't because I was like, man, I'm trying to get as many as I can. I want to be rich. I want to refinance. I want to pull the money. None of that stuff went through my mind. It was just like, cool. I have actually an asset that's kind of cool. I'm like, I have grass I can touch. Coming from Dubai, you could own nothing. You could only rent. So I figured, like, man, I can own this grass. Like touching touching grass and touching bricks and saying I own this. I mean, the bank owns it. The bank owns it. But the fact you can do that is pretty cool. But what actually happened was that real estate was puttering like this. And then the last five years was like, like that. Right. So then you think, man, all these people are like, whoa, get into this. It's crazy. So then when this happened, all of a sudden my mindset, my mind changed in the last, and, um, my mindset today, as you know, in the last three years, I've sort of steered away from real estate. I've basically not bought anything new. I basically just figured I'm cool where I'm at. And I don't want to get, because I'm like, man, now this swimming pool is full. It's full of people. When I was in the swimming pool, there was nobody here, man. Now it's full of people, which means it's congested, which means prices rise, and then it's just getting too busy, right? You know what I mean? Right. So, um, and, but there's a lot more tension. We wouldn't be having this conversation if real estate was boring. 
That's the problem. Oh yeah, everybody right? wants, you know, now there's a lot more people that want to be investors. The information available yeah. to educate, I mean, Crazy. this right here, the people who are following this podcast, yeah. how many people they've had an opportunity to listen to yeah. and learn from, but it creates competition for yes. sure. Yes. Uh, as if we didn't already have enough with with our mass scale immigration. Correct. And we just don't produce enough houses Correct. here. Correct. Uh, so we, yeah. we, our supply of housing is, is not keeping pace with our immigration and our Correct. demand for it. So, yeah. Which is why our, our, our pricing is through the roof, not to mention the cost of building supplies. I know. Crazy. The world is going a little bit crazy right now, not just for those it reasons. I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. In all kinds of arrays. But yeah. yeah, I mean, getting men, the, the reality is, is that like, that's what I felt. I felt like it's too busy. So one of the, one of the core principles of what i believe in is going to a space that's not busy and do shit work okay. you know shitty work nobody wants to do shitty work no one wants to do sewers no one wants to do roofs no one wants to do pl- like dirty plumbing no one wants to do demo so all those businesses i'm like hey man there's an opportunity there you're a hard worker i can get the business let's do it as opposed to let's go into businesses that are super busy let's go into selling cars be a car dealership for low-end stuff there's a million freaking car dealerships man you know so that's my mindset. Those are niche right? businesses. I really like what you just said there. So I, I've I've talked about this on the podcast before, like getting good at doing heritage homes. Like it's something no one else wants to touch. Everybody thinks that that's a nightmare. And you know what? That's your opportunity because if you learn that system and know it, then you're you're going to win. You're right. No one really wants to do demo. It's heavy, disgusting, uh, dangerous work, and you got to do testing. There's a lot of red tape. So if you're one of the people that's willing to go through all that rigmarole and, and figure out how to do it, there's an opportunity for you. Yep. Hard stuff, man. If you, the harder it is, the more, the harder the it is. The more money there is in yeah. it, probably. You know what, man, going yeah. from, a, from a car, okay, so I, when I sold Audis, this is how I would sell it. And, and I believe so the way this Quattro system works, everybody knows what Quattro is, right? Obviously, yeah, the four-wheel drive, yeah, yeah. Four drive. So the way the Quattro differential works is it's, nobody knows it, it, it deeply enough. And the way the Quattro system works is the hardest wheel to turn will get power. So if, if you're on gravel and you're on, say, concrete and gravel, gravel, and let's say one wheel's on, let's say, I'm just backing up here, it's on ice and everything else on concrete. When you hit the gas, what happens is the stuff that's on concrete is the only thing that will get power. Everything else that's slippery will not get power. So if this is easy, everybody's going to run to easy. And that's what everybody's doing. Everybody's running easy. I'm like, no, man, run to hard. The harder, the better, right? You know what I mean? I just think of it like that way, but it's just not quick. And that's the problem. So you have to have some money, right? So um, before I forget this train of thought in my mind, another really good key point that I want to talk about just quickly is multiple businesses. So for me, like my purity right here is like multiple streams of income. So like I said, when I was telling you about the, the taking the toilet paper and throwing it on the ceiling, what sticks, what doesn't. So you try to throw as much as you can on the ceiling. Some sticks, some don't. But the ones that do stick, man, you got to hold on to them, right? So you can try something that doesn't work, try something else. And a lot of people are like, you got to focus on one and you got to go deep and you got to be a very, you know, you got to be specific on that, on that sector. And that is cool, but it's just not cool for me. So I figure from a dollar perspective, I'm cool making 25 to 40 grand per business. If I make 40 grand times six businesses. You're, you're talking about on an annual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah I was about, I think, I was about right? to say I mean, like, but do you have a criteria when you're looking at a business saying I am willing to invest $20,000 to see if this works or do you have, and I know we're getting tangent from real estate, but I just yeah, think that there's yeah. so many gold nuggets you're throwing down here about, yeah. about, you know, barriers to entry, going in, going in for what's hard, going in for what's worthwhile because yeah. no one else wants to touch it. Yeah. Um, when you're looking at that business, yeah. do you just know that it's going to work? What, what sort of validation, market validation do you have? Yeah. I would say, I would say it's an ecosystem game, right? I mean, like if you do nothing and you're working at like, like I, like I does as a car salesperson, like the car business is awesome. You can just sit and you can do 20 businesses in the car business because you only sell somebody when they walk through the door. So you have lots of free time, right? But in terms of getting like the ecosystem I'm talking about is like, so I have a roofing company, I've got car, I've got rentals, I've got, you know, I've got property that need work. I've got 
contractors because i've done flips i've done you know there's there's this big ecosystem here so mm-hmm. i can tangibly pull each each you know each piece and then along with that i have a network of people that are successful because i've known them from the car business i've done flips for them we've done stuff together in the past where the conversations yeah. or whatever right so you, you know a good mean? Network. So, so your network is really strong to have so it's, it's just there's no one answer right it's the whole thing so i can say look you know what so I'm working on a project right now to bring stuff in for COVID for China, right? So this is this is something that like this is like telling you something that I'm working on um, that anybody can jump on and steal my information, right? But because I'm three weeks ahead of you, it's yeah. hard to beat me, right? So don't bother, you know, don't bother <laughs> or, or bother, right? Or, or, innovate, or, or innovate or innovate, yeah, yeah. innovate, get better than mine, great. whatever it is, right? So it's what's great about capitalism. I know, man, it's freaking awesome, right? Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll I'm willing to spend at my net worth at the moment. I'm willing to spend anywhere from ten to forty thousand dollars to test. To test. To test. But you right? must have an you extreme know? sense of, of um, conviction that it's going to work. Right? It's kind of like demo. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. been around enough people yeah. in the renovation game to know that they don't like demo, especially Correct. when you got to do a full gut. Correct. Yeah. So that's, that's I know if people, I had that right? business yes. and I, I'm organized and we got proper WSIB clearance and we got our training and our, yes. right, our, our health and safety, we're up to date. Yes. There'd be lots of demand for that. For sure. I, for I don't sure. need to really conceptualize. I just know that most no. people won't want to do it because it's a pain exactly. in the butt. Exactly. But man, it's, it's as simple as like, and I know that because I've got like, I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but I feel like I got it because I jump around all the time. But it's like YouTube, right? You want to know what to talk about next? Just look in the comments. How do I know yeah. if it's going to work or not? I just look in the comments. It tells me what I'm looking for. So next. on your on your Audi channel, yeah. which does really well. Yeah. It's not Audi way. anymore now. Now because I left. Oh, Audi your in car December. guy. Your I'm car, a car guy. I know that. Do everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, no, but you had yeah. videos getting like a million yeah, views. Did yeah. you get a million views? No, no, no. I mean, no. the highest I have is four hundred. But four hundred thousand. Yeah, but I've yeah. got. Yeah, I've got, I mean, the cool one, man. I just did one on a Volkswagen Arteon, and I've got a hundred k in a month, which I'm like freaking awesome, man. Yeah, like you, you know? can get some good ad revenue on that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think you were getting like five or six hundred bucks. Yeah, so I get six hundred. Like this month, I'm just almost at seven hundred bucks US a month. And I split it with my guys. So there's another one where I have, I found something that's ultra talented and I split it with them half and half. So it's like, it's not, the onus is not all me. The onus on me is to be, you know, educated on it and talk about it and do research, but I bring a good product to the table and then he does the other half. You but know? you know, there's so many, uh, additional opportunities there, uh, to monetize on that traffic, yeah. right? Cause yeah. if you can get those people on an email list or they're following you on Instagram yeah. down the road, if you got something to sell, Correct. it's not Correct. just advertising revenue. Correct. You yeah. got an opportunity there. So yeah. And to learn, man, to learn, dude, like, I mean, I'm 37 or 38. My wife reminds me all the time, 38 now, you know? So, but I learned from people that are in their twenties, man. I'm excited to learn from the people in twenties. I don't know everything, you know, I'm excited to learn because growing up, I learned from the people older than me. Now the people are older, older than me, I feel like I'm at that middle, middle gap where I can help the guys older than me and I can learn from the guys younger than me and I can be the middleman. So if you want to know about shady car salesmen, you can be the middleman right now. And you can, if you're in your thirties, thir- late thirties, you can teach guys older than you because they actually have no idea what TikTok is. Then you can pe- teach people that are younger yeah. than you what real estate investing is, right? And how to do that, do that best, right? So um, like two, three years ago, man, getting into commercial real estate was like the cat's meow. Everybody wanted to get into it because it was lucrative. It was new, sp- new business with COVID. Now half of them are slaughtered, right? I mean, half of them are slaughtered, right? So it's like, how are those people adapting? So if you guys want to learn something, how are the people that are doing commercial real estate right now adapting? Besides the fact that, you know, we're getting paid out two grand a month and 75%, yeah. right? That kind of obviously keeps, keeps everything up, but this is the time where people will go um, and now I'm going to ADD again, but like, remember we talked about Kijiji and going to Kijiji, finding people. Kijiji used to be full of people, tons. You could find contractors left, like from one to a hundred in any space you can find them in Kijiji, right? Try that today. There's about five to 10 because everybody, all those out of Kijiji, hundred, probably 10 were good. But now there's those, all those 90 that were crap actually are doing jobs and working today, right? So the, there's so much crappy labor out there. 
doing crappy work, screwing people over and all that stuff, right? So right now, you got to think, man, some of those commercial people are hurting. Now, all the crappy ones will fall off and all the good ones will succeed. So if you want to get into commercial real estate right now, follow and investigate right now. This is a, break, a breakthrough time for people. So there's so many opportunities right now. So people can look at life and say, hey, man, like life sucks. And I'm just going to give my two grand and wait till it's all done. Like, are you crazy? You're wasting time, man. You're wasting time right now. So that sort of stuff burns fire in my butt. Man. Yeah. Like, like you got to get out there and do it. There, you know? is, so, there is an opportunity right now. I, I got to think just like surface level. So many people are going to be afraid of commercial right now. Yeah. Therefore, it's going to be a deal. Like all these landlords it are, are going to have leases that are, that are uh, not being paid. Yeah. And they're going to be begging for, yeah. for somebody to just come along and take it off their hands. Dude. And what's... Th- Man, so like I put my I just put my wife in a short term lease because I'm opening up that car dealership I'm talking about, like the YouTube channel that I'm working on doing like a, the whole YouTube channel. There's so many pieces here, but the YouTube channel is going to be at some point it's going to I'm going to sell select high end stuff. So between about 75 to 300 K that's so you'll just have specialty cars you bring. Yeah, in. so two yeah. or three and then it's selective. It's going to be closed door policy. It's going to be by appointment only. It's going to be if you're looking for something, Andrew, you say, you know what, man, next year I'm looking for a, a performante hypothetically, right? You know what I mean? I can say, you know what, and next year I know a guy coming with Performante, we'll put two and two together and we'll get your Performante. And then we can review the car online. So it kind of has that piece. Um, but I put my wife in a short-term lease only because like right now we don't know where the world's going to go, right? And you can do a short-term lease. You can fill in. So like, Andrew, you want to open up a small restaurant? I mean, restaurant's tough now. Let's pick, you want to open a small boutique clothing line for whatever. You can jump into a commercial re- a lease right now because you can fill in somebody's lease for a short-term for a year. You don't have to commit to anything, man. You can just piggyback this guy's yeah, lease so many and try it for one year. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, who cares? Yeah, if you need office to... space right now, oh, you're laughing. You're laughing, man. Yeah. You're laughing, right? Or even get a bigger space yeah. and make... What, man, the world is so clean yeah. and easy and people are going to work with you because nobody else is lining up. There's nobody yeah. lining up for commercial space right now. Nobody. I mean, unless you're on Amazon. But really, there's nobody else lining up. Yeah. So there's an angle, right? There's so, your opportunity, right? The, yeah. Again, focusing on what's hard. And I think this this virus, this illness, like the, the you know the the economic plague that is to follow, um, it, it's creating opportunities everywhere. For it's sure, just man. a matter of our mindset sure. and how we look sure. at it. For sure. Um, you know, of course, there's all kinds of political stuff we could get into and how it looks, but I mean, yeah. no matter what, no matter what you believe, right, left, yeah, it's always going to be opportunity. Yeah. It's Dude, always there. Man, this is the craziest thing. So I'm I'm always trying to. I try to bring back. So I have the, I write notes. So I mean, my notes. If you go, to my, like, not, used to be in a book, but now it's on like your iPhone, right? So I looked at property Manhattan. Perfect example. Okay. I was thinking, you know what? When, if Toronto ever crashes, I want to buy a nice condo again in Toronto because I had one, but I sold it and I wouldn't buy not, another nice condo in Toronto. So I looked at Manhattan because obviously New York is getting crushed with COVID, right? So let's look at property Manhattan. Well, if you go on Zillow or you guys go on Zillow and you go look today is what's the day today? June 24th. Uh, today is the 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. There we go. Go look June 23rd at the cost of properties in Manhattan. All the stuff, three, four, five million will always be that high because those guys don't need the money, right? They're at, this, yeah. they're, at, they're at the sellers, they're staying here, the buyers are here, they're not coming up here at the moment, yeah. right? But there are people that need the money because, you know, half the building has COVID. Look at properties, man. You can find properties right now for six, I look, 650 square feet, like near, like four blocks from Times Square, 350 grand US. Condo fees are 850 bucks. Obviously, they're expensive, but, or HOV fees, they call it. But man, you could never find anything for 350 grand and freaking, or sorry, yeah, 373 grand or something like that. It was Yeah, for. and I feel, I feel for the people in New York though, because it wasn't just that, this, this whole rioting, defund the police, craziness. People are just itching to get out crazy. of New York right crazy. now. Crazy. But man, dude, dude, my whole life, I wanted to freaking go to New York and be in New York. I remember Times Square living, I remember two of my best buddies. They were, they, they had, they rented a three bedroom apartment. They took, you know, a typical New York style. They put a wall in the living room and that's a fourth bedroom. That guy's did that. And now 
as Canadians, we actually have some wealth together. Money's being pumped left, right, and center. You can take that money and buy a condo in New York. I mean, will New York ever be the, you know, the pits? I don't think so, man. The money's there. And I mean, like, it's always been a world-class city. There's millions of restaurants. It's not well, going to go anywhere, right? The crime, you know I mean? the crime and murder rates, though, in the, like, the 80s, uh, until Giuliani came into yeah, power, yeah, yeah. For was sure. really bad. He turned sure, the city around, sure. and that was his renaissance. And it's now for like sure. they're taking this step back, which is just tragic. For sure. Uh, but for yeah, sure. I, I do believe long-term. Opportunity, man. Long-term, right? they should be coming back. If we can't depend on that, we can't depend on anything. Anything. You know what I mean? Anything. So, I mean, that's anything. just my opinion, guys. So we're, we're just kidding. Hey, man, this is what life's about, man. Opinions, right? So, yeah. But you just, I just, I just look, see, I look at opportunity and there's there's lots of things that I've said no to and I'm like, oh man, thank God I did that because I would have been screwed, you know? Like there there is, and I have lost money on things, man. I, it's not like I win everything, you know? And yeah. like stocks, like obviously, you know, I day trade, right? So my stock game is like, um, I've had as crazy, and I can show you a screenshot of it. I've had as crazy as losing 15 grand in a day and I've had as, as high as investing 3,500 bucks and making 121 grand in one day. In one day? In one day, yeah. <laughs> That's are you, how are you wild up, it is. Are you wild up overall? Is. Yes and no. So I'm up over. I'm up overall in terms of where I'm at because the thing is the government. When you put money in RSPs, the government gives you money back, right? You know what I mean? Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, so I have like I'm up overall in terms of my long term account, my short term account. Man, it's gambling for me, and I need yeah. I need that for me. I need that out to to kind of get the ups and downs. So obviously, yeah. long term, yes. Short term, no. Short term, I'm like funny because I honestly thought the market was going to dip at like talk, you know, whatever stock stuff. But I thought they were going to dip about a month ago, so I went in fairly heavy and it didn't go up. So I'm, I'm at the point now where I have still in the markets and markets starting to climb. And I'm yeah. like, man, I got like another three weeks to go down, you know? So for me, it's fine. I'm, I can lose the money. I'm in that space where I'm cool to lose it because it's not my money anyway. I'm playing with the house money, man. So I'm cool, man, you know? So, and that's, so part of the core in that ecosystem I talked about is because the rentals are so strong and they hold the money. Um, everything here is all fun, man. It's all fun. It's just this stuff here. The cash flows are crazy. Buildings ain't going anywhere. When I got in the properties, the rents were like in the fives. Right now I'm getting 12s renovated. I can't lose, man. I just can't lose. You know, I can only lose if, which it's trending that direction, is there's just way too many people in the swimming pool. So something could happen. Who knows, right? Who knows? I mean, property has been so bulletproof for so long, but um, I mean, there's talk of like, you know, like obviously the rent strikes and all the stuff you see, right? So the, the, the tenants are getting more power because the landlords are getting less power because the tenant base obviously is voting base. So, I mean, that, that's where, I, I mean, again, for me, I don't have, I, nobody's a crystal ball. I don't know where anything's going to go. I just look at, it's just very busy. Real estate's so busy, um, but there's so many pockets. And, I, and I'm, when I'm on some of the forums and I talk to different people, um, they're still making money. People are still doing well. So it's not like I'm saying, man, get our real estate because it's bad. Uh, it's just, I'm at the time for me where I'm like, man, I've been through it. I've gone full circle. You know, I've started with, I started with one, two, three, four, and it got to like 144, scaled back down, cashed out, got my money. I'm in a cool zone. I'm chilling. I'm like, well, I don't need any more. So for me, right? You know what I mean? Full You're an circle. entrepreneur and recognizing that being a real estate investor makes you an entrepreneur. Uh, you're, yeah. that, you know, yeah. that's entrepreneurship, uh, like kind of an, an entry, a gateway drug into Correct. being a full out entrepreneur. Correct. Correct. Um, Correct. You have to, you have to exercise, you, you know, you have a customer. You have yes. to satisfy them. If you don't, yes. you will yes. lose them. Um, yes. You know, bat, go get rent strikes. So yes. there's there's all kinds of things that um, you know in this game that I could see how it fits in with being an entrepreneur. Correct. All, yeah. All around. Yeah. And um, people are interested, man. I mean, yeah. people are interested when I mean about five years ago when the market started to lift. Instead of yeah. people talking about stocks and politics yeah. and red tape, they all talked about real estate. Everybody that came into this dealership and talked for me selling cars was always about just talk about real estate. So for me, I never really sold cars. So. Um, part of being a real estate investor or being an entrepreneur, you have to be a salesperson of sorts. I don't care what anybody says. You have to be able to sell something, right? Whether you're selling a unit or you're selling some, some, you're selling yourself to somebody to sell 
to sell you their building for a lower cost. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, you, they want a million bucks. You go in there, you sell yourself. Maybe you get it for nine fifty, right? And instead of giving to some big corp that doesn't care about the tenants for nine eighty, I don't know, right? You know what I mean? There's a reason. There's a, there's an there's a value that you bring, right? Like I, I joke about this to my buddies, and I say everybody has a friendship price, right? Like I'm willing to screw you, Andrew, for a million bucks, but for nine hundred k, man, I'm not going to screw you over. You know what I mean? So. It's that value. What do you bring to me and what do I bring to you, right? And you have that across all angles. So um, never sell the product. Always sell your feelings, right? I mean, that's really like, what are you worth, right? What are you, Andrew, worth? And I'm not trying to sell you. Like, I never sold cars. People say you sell cars, you're a salesman. Not really. I just wanted to know more about you. And because I want to know more about you, you trust me more. And it's not because I'm trying to make you trust me more. I just want to know more about you. Right? That was my thing. I want to know more. So every single when person, you learn that, want that, yeah. that, thing about the person you're learning obviously what motivates them and then that at the end of the day if you're helping them get that hey i just want to feel like that cool guy that has that car you're not selling them a car you're selling them how to be a cool guy yeah but i also learn on like older folks that like i'm like i you know talk to older people and say well like what did you miss out in your life what would you have done differently how did you get to this point you know do you have you know like if people i mean cancer going on crazy like cancer has been like a crazy topic right so like how did i'm interested to know how they either beat it how they dealt with it how like so that's like information i'm like i'm not trying to sell you anything i'm just really trying to understand like you know i'm trying to be a human right you're and just talking about caring yeah. yeah man you talk so it's not just being and 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 the car the car business and we'll just go off topic here so for people wanting to get into a business the car business is a good business to get into when you're young because you're selling them product um you get to learn about people that are that are in a better position than you for the most part right right because well, you're trying I to just, get them i just love learning about people in, in positions like that because you're learning about the type of people that you exactly. would want to know exactly man yeah and and I'm, and and the part that I really liked about the car business is that like if I can, if I got a if I got a surgeon that's a plastic surgeon I, I have no idea what plastics are right I mean the guy's highly educated his time is worth thousands an hour but he's sitting across from me I have all the time in the world because he wants something from me so it puts me in possession where you want something from me I can learn all about you at no cost so I can find out where you invest your money you know where how did you get to where you what are your kids doing how do you teach your kids that because you are successful you raise your children in an environment that's full of wealth. You take them on your boat. You have all these things. How do you, how do you make caring, grateful children? That information, man, is priceless. So if the car business is the one that's going to get me there, well, you can call me dirty used car salesman. You call me whatever you want because that's a profession. Used car, used, the, the car business is a dirty profession to sell cars. It's a rotating door. Nobody stays there long and tough. They just want to sell you a car. See you later. And, and that, unfortunately, is the way the car business is. But for me, I liked it because I could do multiple businesses. That's why it was easy for me over the years to have multiple businesses and to get to learn about you, Andrew, right? That's how it started. So cars are the gateway, man, right? And so it's, it's a whole ecosystem. It's, there's just not one player in this game, right? It's a lot of different pieces. Um, yeah. Go ahead. More okay. questions. So yeah, yeah. Uh, before I get accused yeah, yeah. of uh, of this not being a real estate podcast. Yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know. Um, That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> I was worried about that when we were... <laughs> you know what um let's just talk about this 36 unit building when yes. did you buy that one get to the point guys get to the point yeah we're, we're running <laughs> it's a real out of time estate, here real podcast okay <clears throat> all right so when did i buy it yeah when did you buy that one uh, i bought it six years ago okay so six years ago what'd you yeah. buy it for uh, i bought it for 2.25 so 2.25 million yep did you have to renovate that one at all yeah so every uh every time somebody moved out i went in there ripped out the kitchens put new kitchens in flooring paint you know have and you all the units now no, because I haven't had everybody move up because yeah, my lowest too my, short a time. Yeah, in six roughly fifty percent of them. Uh, about sixty. Sixty percent. Yeah. Them? How much have you spent? Uh, about I'd say close to two hundred and fifty grand. Three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll call it three hundred thousand to be conservative. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I put a roof on it, but hey, I got a roofing company, so that works. 
you know? that helps yeah. um what did uh what do you figure it is uh it is worth now well actually we'll just do purchase plus yeah uh, yeah have you refinanced it at all yes i did when did you, you refinance it? Okay. Um, closed last week, actually. Okay, so you must have got a nice appraisal on that. What'd you get? Um, well, it was CMHC one, and CMHC couldn't actually come down the property because of COVID, so they okay. did everything over the phone and metrics and values and stuff like that. So yeah. it uh, and CMHC is obviously not as open as possible. So yeah, um, I got so on an actual appraisal, so a human going there because I actually got appraised myself. I paid the mm-hmm. grand or whatever to get appraised, and I got appraised for six point one. Six point nine. My yeah. God, that is you got a something. you got a bat because I mean you got a ball yeah. and a bat I'm about to swing. You know, <laughs> you, you knocked hands. it out of the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, you yes. did. Uh, okay, so did they give you eighty five percent of that or? Um, so yes, but I didn't want to take eighty five percent. I yeah. took seventy five percent. Okay, um, so, no, so they they didn't give me. So they didn't pick the six point one appraisal number. They okay. picked. They picked. Uh, I think it was four point. Uh, sorry, five point one in total. Yeah. So we'll just yeah, they go pick off a number. That. Yeah. So. I mean, but there's a there's a deeper story to the metrics yeah. of it, which the oh yeah, like, we don't know? have time for that in this one, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, but no yeah, worries. no, I, I, and I've talked I've talked about it before. But yeah, so so at seventy five percent, you're three point eight uh, eight two five. So I got yeah. So then I obviously had to pay my. You're talking about sorry, which part here? Three point eight two five would have been your new mortgage at seventy five percent of five point one. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah, it was uh yeah, it was three point eight one. Well, the money I got, so, but I took seventy five percent. So the numbers I got in my account so i got two what i well, i got put in my bank account after paying everything well they have fees and all that too uh, right? yeah but i got yeah. two after paying off so i'll tell you kind of i'll work the math so i owed this is easy way to, to how i think about it is i owed one point i owed 1.3 mil on the mm-hmm. building um I, I just got put 2.4 mil in my bank okay. okay and then um and then i had a private on the guy i bought it for two and a quarter so add those add yeah. those numbers up and that's what i have Okay, so I'll have another way. Well, I'm going to yeah, work this yeah, way just, to, just for consistency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just to stick with my system. So, yeah. so you would have had. Uh, well, even if we just want to look at upside, we, yeah. won't, we won't look at owing. But um, yeah, so what, I mean, my rent obviously your, your went from upside five one point two two seven five. In terms t- of from what you bought it, so so yeah. so basically, you've pulled out everything that you you purchased it for the two point two five. You yep. pulled out the three hundred grand. Yep, plus. 1.275 on yes. top of that yes so so that's yes. 1.275 in your pocket on yes. something you've owned for only six years yes turning it over as people left this yes. is the magic of real estate and you're an entrepreneur yes. and you saw an opportunity yes. there yes. um which that that's an incredible one and i, I just i didn't want to miss that so so now what is your approximate cash flow do you figure on a monthly on that place um so it was it was always grossing about so gross is 390 grand and my net 390 grand my numbers uh, my expenses so my taxes are 50 my utilities are 15 and maintenance and fees and insurance was you know eight grand a year and that's what i'm left with okay so so, so what's your gross rent again 384 384 a yeah. year yeah so 384,000. Yeah. uh yeah. and then your taxes how much 50 50 yeah. we'll do quick math here insurance yeah. how much eight eight thousand and uh maintenance five percent is like 20 grand a year yeah that's what they used yeah they yeah used uh, management yeah. as well five percent sure sure okay sure. the water imagine. utilities so everybody pays their own hydro and water so my my utilities were 14 and a half grand 14 yeah. 500 i know it's just and then i got new boilers snow, in there and all that stuff snow garbage all that stuff i have a roofing company i have, I have two plows on my roofing trucks Sorry, so man. they're from your company yeah. we'll yeah. just call it two thousand a year <laughs> Uh, okay, so two thousand a year for that. So let's the just math, see. Guys. I got to get to my numbers, man. Everybody, everybody loves everybody the numbers. Loves the numbers. I know. Um, I know. Okay, I know. so you, we'll you have to do another numbers breakdown. <laughs> I didn't come for the numbers. I came yeah. for you know. 
for the getting you there program. So the 5.1 million times 75%. And you're how many, your amortization, 40? I did 35. 35? So it's the funny part. CMHC has, they charge you half a percent more for an extra 10 years. They charge you 1% more for an extra 5%. And I'm like, no, man, I'll just just keep 75 points. 75 points, 35 years. That way cash flow is low. Right? I mean, my cat, my uh, yeah. thing is low and it just makes sense to me. So, Mike, what was your interest rate on that one? 1.98%. Fixed? 1.98%. Yeah. I know. Dude. Okay. So, I know, Mike, I know. I, I've it's got crazy. a mortgage payment at $12,600 yeah. approximately. Yeah. Um, your cash flow on that building alone is $98.51 a month. Yeah. yeah. And that's a building that, that gave you a million dollars. I know. I know. I know. Your math is a little bit off there. I actually, yeah, I, I know. Actually, I'm, this is simplified. But I, act, I actually got 1.65 million. Okay. Out of it, so yeah, so you, you got know. even yeah. more. Yeah. I, I try yeah. and simplify here and I know my numbers. I, and I did bring the quick. numbers. My apologies. Yeah. I should have. I didn't. I like the numbers. Work. I know. Numbers These are back of the sleep. envelope. Back of the yeah. envelope. Okay. So uh, Mike, really, really interesting chat. And I think people, what they're really going to get out of this is a mindset. And that's what I wanted to drive home is like, you're just into so many things and you're, you're succeeding at so many things. So if there was and something... I fail, and I fail. I fail at yeah, things too. Yeah, sure. You know, right? What's yeah. your success rate? 70%, 80%? Yeah, in the yeah. 70s, 75s, yeah. I, yeah. I, as I said, I just tinker, right? I tinker and if it works, yeah. great. If it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. And work, you hedge right? your, your risk and, yeah. and then the ones that succeed, they compound receipt they, because every year they're, they're succeeding, right? I know. Long I know, term? I know, I know, yeah. man. I just look at this and I'm like, yeah. I don't even know how the hell I got here. But it's yeah. great. You know, it's cool and it's great, but... Okay. So, but now, so quick, quick, quick thing. So there are problems. So I know yeah. people think, oh, this is amazing. It's crazy. But there are yeah. problems. And the problem now I face chapter two in my life is what am I going to do with the money? Yeah. That's a whole new show. And I kind of want to like document that. Right. So I'm, yeah. thank you to Andrew and all the guys that well, we'll got get, me here. We'll get you, you know, back but, here. Yeah. Look, yeah. we'll build on this. Um, you know, let's, let's give it a, you know, a few months and then yeah, let's, let's have another chat and, and kind of see how things are going. Um, but if there's something you could leave our listeners and viewers with for today, um, yeah. you know, they're real estate entrepreneurs, people who want to, want to take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, lay it on them. Like what, 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 what would, Something that sticks to you, sticks with you. What was a, you know, one fundamental learning point for you that you would want to pass on? I mean, I would just say in today's world, there's so much data, right? So just clean up the data a little bit, you know, learn as much as you can, take the chance, take the risk. Um, we're all kind of in the same boat. The denominator is the same, right? So I think the risk is, is less. So it's not as crazy as people think today because the risk is less because we're yeah. all in the same boat. You're not going to an industry where there's not a lot of people there. There's a lot of people here, right? So we're all in the same boat. So the risk might seem huge in your mind, but it's actually not that big because yeah. we're all in the same boat. You know what I mean? So if, if you're going to fail, man, I'm probably yeah. going to almost fail, right? So Sort of. So people shouldn't be emotional about the risk. They should actually try and be objective about it. You should never be emotional about anything, man. No? Never. Not even your excitement to get into something? Yeah, that's to get you started, but not to take the chance, right? Don't let your emotions make, make you steer away from the chance to yeah. do it, right? So I would just do it because you just, you know, don't ha- you always have to have a thick skin, man. I think that's yeah. the key, right? So. Okay. There's obviously not one freaking answer. There's just, there's so much to this picture, you know? So, yeah. Um, but it starts here, right? It starts here. And I'm going to, just like these guys are getting new spaces. I'm getting into new space too. So we're all kind of learning from each other. And that's what I think the best yeah. thing about this, this world. We're in. Awesome. So, Where can people follow you or learn more? Um, this is tough because I'm going to make my own freaking YouTube channel. But do you want to do like Insta and then you can just put your link in Insta? Yeah. Wherever? You know what? I think if you just search, no, I think I'm going to just go on YouTube and probably YouTube is probably the best. So, so Mike Van Hout, so M-I-K-E-V-A-N-H-O-U-D-T. You'll be able to find yeah. me there. So I'll and put something there. If you change something or add something, just let me know. Yeah. I'll add it to the show notes. So for anybody okay. listening to this episode next year or sure. anything like that, yeah. they'll be able to yeah. access it. Yeah. So just Mike yeah. Van Hout is my own stuff and then Accelerate is the car stuff. So Accelerate okay. is A-C-C-E-L-E-R and then the number eight. 
It's number eight. Okay. And then yeah, I'll put that so. info in the show notes so people can follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike, thanks so much for doing this. No worries, um, man. Thank you for having me. We we like barely scratched the surface. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh there's, my god. There's, there's so, so much, much more. more. <laughs> Bite-sized chunks. No, we'll, know, we'll, we'll do more and more. I know. I know. Um, anyways, you. no, I appreciate it, and and I'm looking forward to the round two. Sweet. Thanks, guys, for watching. Thanks for watching today's episode. Just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell. Uh, And also leave a comment. And hey, while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help? It helps this podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode. 